I don't know who needs to hear this, but stop waiting on your healing to magically show up. Start doing something about it. Start doing something that's gonna change how you feel so you can actually experience life at its fullest again. Hi, I'm Kevin from A Tiny Revolution, and outside of podcasting, I'm a spiritual coach. I help folks move through their deconstruction journeys into what I call a living practice, and I wanna invite you into that process as well. And with that, I invite you to the Living Practice Summer School, starting May 13th. It's a nine-week program where we're going to go through the nuts and bolts of how to recover from your spiritual trauma by reclaiming your spiritual authority. We're gonna do this through diving into meditative practices, somatic experience, inspired text, and embodied movement workshops. If you've been wondering where to turn or what to do post-deconstruction or how to, you know, maybe finally find some solid ground outside of strict Christianity, this is probably for you. The Living Practice Summer School kicks off May 13th, and you can get all the details and sign up at thekevingarcia.com slash summer school. You are listening to an irreverent media podcast. Go to irreverent.fm in your web browser to find more dope-ass podcasts like this. Now on to the show. Friends, welcome back to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. I'm Kevin. I was off last week because I had a lot of deadlines. Sometimes you get behind and you got to just roll with the punches. So welcome back. Glad you're with me. Before we get into the show today, I just want to point out that summer school, the Living Practice Summer School, which is going to be an incredible nine-week program that I'm starting May 13th. Let me tell you one thing. I don't like e-courses. I don't like you know, replay workshops that you can just plug and play because most of the time people don't finish them. And I'm not interested in people giving me money and not transforming their lives. I'm interested in people learning how to create a living practice for their own life so they can get over their trauma. So if that sounds interesting to you, if you want to do nine weeks with me being your coach, leading you through somatic practices, meditation, and so much more, please join me for the Living Practice Summer School all the information's at thekevingarcia.com slash summer school. And um, it's literally so cheap. It starts at $750. You can pay $75 a month for 10 payments and just pay it off that way. So literally, you don't even have to break the bank to do this. So if you've ever wanted to work with me, now's the time to do it. If you want to talk to me on the phone, please get in my, um, my link tree, schedule a call. I'd love to talk to you. Okay, now I want to talk to you about my friend Sarah Anna, who is... Oh my God, I have such a crush on her. I think you're gonna have a crush on her too by the time we're done. She calls herself an approachable birth doula. She's called to this work of inspiring and understanding that this profession of being a doula is based on purpose. She calls herself practical, curious, and ready to facilitate a very positive birth and postpartum experience for everyone involved in the birthing process. She has worked with over 400 folks over the last year in births, and she's worked in everything from hospitals to independent birth centers within the Twin Cities. In this conversation, we talk about a few things, but the main thing we talk about is her new book of poetry, which dropped this past January, called Both and All. And y'all, it is sapphic as fuck. And if you want to know what sapphic means, we're going to get into this with our sweet friend Sarah Anna. So... Please grab yourself something to drink. Go, uh, you know, use the bathroom if you need to, unless you're driving and don't. Uh, but grab yourself something to drink. I am drinking water right now because I'm dehydrated. Um, anyways, I loved this conversation. It was so sweet, wonderful, and powerful. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. This is my conversation with my new friend, Sarah Anna. Uh, well, I say I'm Sarah Anna, and I am now a published author and poet. Yeah! And I know, that is pause for a little celebration, that is for sure. It's a dream and kind of uh, words I've been waiting to hear after my name for almost my whole life. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah, and then I also, one of my other primary identities is as a birth advocate. I help people give birth. You might know that as a doula or a birth mm-hmm. coach. And that's a huge part of my work and my identity and passion and purpose in life. 
And that's brilliant. It is. It really is. And it's something that keeps me looking at life through the lens of a little bit of science and a little bit of magic at the same time. Mm. Mm -hmm. Cause like, like, so doulas for people who have possibly never heard the term, yeah. a doula specifically a birth doula is somebody who helps uh, someone with the birthing process uh, in a non-medical facility. That's exactly right. In fact, yes. um, we help people in a non-medical way navigate the medical system. So in hospitals, in freestanding birth centers, which would be like an out-of-hospital birth-only facility. And sometimes mm -hmm. people like to birth in their home. And so it's my job to be there as a non-medical support person who's separate from the system, who is knowledgeable and an expert in both the magic and the science of birth. Mm. Yeah. Like, that sounds... I wish that's something that my mother would have had growing up because when I was being birthed, the doctor apparently, allegedly, mm -hmm. put a plunger mm -hmm. on my head and pulled me out. Like I <laughs> crowned and it was like... I think that there are stories that aren't too far of an exaggeration from this, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I actually totally believe that the way we're born matters and the way we become mm -hmm. parents matters. And so part of my service this go round on this plane of earth is to mm -hmm. create more peace in the birth space so that there is that ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And those themes show up in the book a lot. I can't not yeah. see life through a lens of birth and rebirth and parenting and reparenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did you, how did you find your way into doula hood, yeah. doula ship, being sure. a doula? <laughs> I like to joke that it found me. Um, about 10 years ago, I was giving birth to my second child. I'm also a mother to a 12 year old and a 10 year old. Hey. And it is, you know, it is and has been, um, some of the greatest lessons of my life through those children. And as I was giving birth, I didn't know about a doula at the time, but I remember just before my kiddo was born, I looked around, I was in a birth tub. I looked around, I thought, this is these people's job. It is just Tuesday at 11. And if I were at my job, which at the time I was a journalist, I would just be like sifting through so many press releases and I would be talking to a boss I've never met, met that's based in, you know, another city. And, you know, I want a job that looks like this was the crystallized thought. And I mm. think that the grand portal was open and that message, I wish I had a job that looked like this, was crystallized mm. and it like went up the great escalator. <laughs> yes, you shot off that rocket of desire. <laughs> came my son and my, my birth doula ship because as soon as I came back from my parental leave, my boss said, I'm sorry to tell you, Sarah, we're eliminating your department and you've been laid off. And I thought, hell Yes, I am ready for whatever is next because it ain't this. Listen, I love it when like life lines things up like that, where it's just like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then it's just like, well, guess what? You couldn't even do it, even if you wanted to, because. <laughs> but that's so lovely. And it I'm is. really glad that you decided to follow that because it's at least knowing from what I know of you, from what mm -hmm. I've heard, uh -huh. it's just that like this like same kind of compassion and kindness and loving spirit mm. like flows out into all your other stuff as well. Yeah. Thanks so much. I do. I do hope that that's the case. Yeah. So tell me about the poetry. Yeah. How long have you been writing poetry for? What's yeah. So interesting. There's so many points of intersection. So I guess I've always been like a pretty, um, you know, what would be the word? I'm, I've always been a pretty ritualistic journal keeper. And have just mm -hmm. written my whole life for myself, about myself, my feelings, my observations. And the whole point of, of all of that all along is so that I just don't have to carry it inside my head and my heart. And so it's just like been a really uh, compassionate way to take the trash out of my brain. And so I don't have mm. to carry it around. So I've always done it as a practice. And so in my mind, uh, I didn't know that I was a poet. But when I went through a significant relationship loss which we'll talk about was the catalyst mm -hmm. event for the book it was like the journals became poetry and the energy for a heartbreak and heartmend book told through a sapphic lens 
picked mm-hmm. me in the same way doula shift picked me. And I just noticed that my writing became very clear and very poignant and very like universal language. And I just, I couldn't stop it. And in fact, the, the first 24 hours after my then wife emailed me and said, this relationship is over. Woo! <laughs> I know. Let's that. talk. <laughs> Damn. Shit. We'll hold that. You know, that was the, the degree through which they were able to communicate at the time. Right, right, right. I went to, immediately to Target. I got a pack of 50 blank note cards, and I wrote 50 individual letters, signed, sealed, mm. and not delivered in that first mm. 24 hours to her. And it was all the, the things that were left unsaid and all of the lessons that hopefully I would eventually learn. And that is what I mined. To create the book. Damn. Yeah. Damn, that is some composting. <laughs> that is and what I try like, to do. <laughs> and some serious, like some serious composting. I've been just talking about, or like I've been writing about grief for the past two days yeah. for a chapter in my next book. Yeah. And how grief isn't like so much an emotion as it is a process, I think. Right, precisely. It's like, it's like, oh, I have grief. I'm like, no, you have immense sorrow and sadness. Yes. You have immense anger. You have immense um, heartbrokenness. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Forlorn. Mm-hmm. It's like, but gr- the process of grief is like how we make space for all of that. So mm. that, you know, however, whatever image works for you. Some, like I've said it where. You have to make your heart big enough for it to get through because it's got to get through in one piece, unfortunately. It's not as yeah. fluid as joy or other things that are, right. you know. So you have to make your heart bigger either to let it through you or you have to, like, let it dissolve in your love. This you got to make your is, heart big enough to let it dissolve in. This is birth imagery that you're talking about, Kevin Garcia. Huh, am I? Yes, like that is the fundamentals of birth. You have to get your heart and your head and your concept of self big enough to pass creation through your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty extraordinary. So, and yes, that's grief the... like birth. Yes, transformation. Yeah. Mm. We didn't know we were going down the <laughs> philosophical route, y'all. Y'all didn't know. Uh, so this work that you started off, it's it's broken up into like what looks like, I mean, what I perceive to be like big sections of what look like really long poems that you've yeah. placed on separate pages. Um and what I was picking up from that, I'm just like, oh, you like take this one thought at a time, please. Take this one one image at a time. Yeah. Um, so I was I was going through it. It was like they could all like honestly, they could stand alone because like they're very it's almost like haikuish in nature where it's like there's a lot packed into so <laughs> little. Um oh, I'm so glad all I was, that came uh, through for you. Um, where was the one? I was it wasn't very far and I, I highlighted it. When your devotion left, it was like a the hush of the first snow, cold, audible, undeniable, a sign of the season's change. I was like, wow. Yeah, you just can feel it with your whole animal body, the same you would feel winter coming mm-hmm. with your whole animal body. Mm-hmm. Is that a reference to Mary Oliver, soft animal of your body? Um, hey, this is an interview about sapphic poetry. You bet it's a reference to Mary <laughs> <Yes>. Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's another. Oh, that's so good. So, like, I'm gonna marry Oliver in a minute. Um, for some people in my audience who don't understand what sapphic means, we'll do a little history lesson. Um, sapphic meaning having to do with women who love women, specifically named for the um. The Greek poetess Sappho, uh-huh. who lived on the island of Lesbos, yes, uh, in in Greece, and was said to be one of the first like women to like write like this divinely inspired poetry about women who love women, kind of love. Precisely, precisely that. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. And so when you Profess. so when you said, listen, <laughs> I love I love education. It's education is elevation. That's oh. what. Con- uh, consciously says, I think a lot. Um, but when you are talking about your specific, like using a sapphic lens on your poetry, mm-hmm. what is it? What does that mean for you? What does yeah. that look like to like embody mm. that particular flavor? 
Yeah. So for me, um, it means to say the uncomfortable things. Hmm. And it means to say the, the, the rich things and the visceral things. And um, to say the things that aren't said in moderate, mainstream, normative spaces. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're not felt in those spaces, but it does often mean that it, they're not said in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And so because the book is rooted in my most personal journals, I didn't hold back there. And then I decided what would be helpful to pull forward um, for the collective through a queer lens, mm. not just for a queer audience, but for a collective audience as a means or a vehicle to experience queerness in language and queerness in mm-hmm. poetry. So it's certainly for, with love, a sapphic community for women who mm-hmm. love women, who people identify as non-binary, who um, have felt the depths of a, yeah. a community that feels more vulnerably and more in depth than I imagine other folks mm-hmm. that are in more heteronormative experiences um, either feel or can express or have lived experience enough to express. Um, mm-hmm. But it also the intent as I was writing, and it's where I've lived my own personal life is in this space between uh, kind of assumed heteronormativity, lived heteronormativity, and then kind of blowing that whole identity up and choosing to live um, authentically queer life. I was a true blue super ally for so many years. And I just didn't understand. Weren't we, weren't we all? Weren't mm-hmm. we all? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just didn't even understand. In fact, um, there's a poem about that. Can I just read it? Please. <clears throat> I was actually going to say, which one's your favorite? Which one's coming up for you right now? Yeah. So the one that's coming up as we speak is called Ecstasy. And it's simply about one element of my coming in slash coming out journey. Yeah. Ecstasy. Ecstasy is your whole self, sensual and authentic, held sweetly by safety. I thought I had it all figured out, who I was and what I desired, but it belonged to someone else, their dreams, their needs, their standards. It wasn't until the dating app asked me, do you prefer men or women, that I was baptized by my own knowing. Ecstasy, Mm. she was waiting for me, and when I came in, I came out, and I came, and came, and came. (laughs) Ah! Yes! Whoa! Also, that, oh, that's it. That gave me the chills. Baptized, especially Mm. that word. Mm. It's so, that's such a very, um... Uh, some I was gonna say pregnant, and I thought I was like, wait, because we're talking about that. Yeah, um, it's a very like pregnant word. It has so much meaning for so yeah. many people. Yeah, because, and then for those of us who you know have left like heteronormativity, who like you know probably got baptized in one form or another, right? Because of the culture we grew up in, right? But it really like I remember like even because I was I was at sixteen, I was like a very prominent. I'm an ex gay. I've given my life to God. I'm working through it. Um, and I remember, um, the same thing, like getting on a dating app as soon as I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gay, I'm queer or whatever. And, you know, it changed, it really did almost in an instant, like changed my life. Cause like I matched with somebody who invited me to a big gay Christian conference that weekend. And so I got plugged in that was like the whole change, but it was like the same thing. It was like this is okay. And not only is this okay, it's good. It's good. Because of the way that it's causing my body to come alive. That's right. I wonder if you, if you wouldn't mind just like trailing into that a little bit, just like, and I, it came in, I came out and I came and I came Mm -hmm. and I came. Yeah, of course. The ways that pleasure is so hard for some queer folks to access. Sure. How did you come into like learning about, your pleasure Mm -hmm. and learning about 
what gave your body pleasure and how did you know how did that begin work begin for mm-hmm. you yeah that's so interesting okay so i think that this explanation is probably rooted back in the birth space and so a basic kind of fundamental lesson of physiological birth is that conception is a result of either cellular mindfulness or two people choosing to bring cells together mindfully. Um, And so, of course, some people just get pregnant, but their cells are still like, we have a very mindful job to do. And then Mm -hmm. other people need to uh, work a lot harder to become pregnant and not in like traditional methods. And so something to know about birth is that like that conception spirit is an extension of your sexuality. Mm. Conception and birth is an extension physiologically speaking, of sexuality. And the reason it is is because it uses all the same hormones as sex and orgasm to create Mm. the contractions needed, the pulsing sensation needed, the expulsion needed, the flood of hormones about safety and love and joy and connectivity. It's all the same Mm -hmm. stuff physiologically in our body. And so for me, when I started becoming a birth doula, I started working with all different types of people. And one particular avenue of people that I started to work with because of my super allyship, but also because of my resonance and magnetism and Mm -hmm. why these people wanted to hire me, um, was primarily women who were married to female identifying people who were um, pregnant. And I just remember this one birth I was at. I was with a birth with two female identifying people. And I just watched their love and their communication and their touch and their ecstasy for one another and the reverence with which they held this extraordinary extraordinary bodily function. I just thought, damn, like I am living version light of whatever these people Mm. are experiencing. And I feel deeply in my body, my capacity to live out the richness of their communication the depth of their eye contact, the richness and meaningfulness of their touch, the intention with which they're choosing to have this child. Mm. I want that. And I didn't, I didn't understand that as my own queerness in that moment. I thought that was desire, but it was both. Mm -hmm. It was both. And in the moment, it actually didn't have anything to do with sex. Except it did because birth and sex are in that same liminal space. Yeah. Not, so not sex in the same room. limited way that we've always think, thought about right, it. Right, exactly. Precisely that. It's that liminal, creative, energetic space. And so I think that's really the deepest root of it was that I witnessed this type of relationship that really had so much depth and, and creativity and love. And I just had never experienced that in my own life, mm-hmm. with my friendships, with anybody that I was tracking with at that time in life. So I think that might have been the root. And then I understand as I got the opportunity as somebody who came out in their late 30s, that I was kind of up and over the um, bodily restriction that can come with um, kind of the vulnerability or the um, self-consciousness of 20s and early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been a mom, I'd given birth, I'd witnessed people giving birth. And so to be able to engage with sex and sexual pleasure and desire in a way that looks kind of messy and mm-hmm. in a way that is very human and involves like rolls of fat and sweat and laughter and mm-hmm. uh, weird sounds, like, again, all of that was really oh my gosh. vital. Let me tell you what, weird sounds in the bedroom, they don't tell you about all the different things that are gonna sound like a fart. That's right. That isn't a fart. It's my back up against this really flat surface and like the small of my back is now creating. Yes, yes, exactly that. And so just being okay with all of that has really allowed me to access desire on a more deeper, deeper level. level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've also been writing about this like today about pleasure uh, and love. Like pleasure, like being the thing that leads to wonder, like pleasure and embodiment of Mm. this human experience. And it was so similar to me, like 
like the first time I met like a, a queer couple, there was a gay couple, a lesbian couple who came to my church when I was still in college. So like ex-gay or striving to be ex-gay. And I just saw the love between them and their child. And I'm just, it just clicked. And like, they, how is it like, I'm just like, there's love there. And there's not shame there. And I'm feeling shame about, about this. Something like I'm missing something. Yeah. I must be missing something. How come it's okay for them, but it's not okay for me? It's like, well, it is okay for you. Mm -hmm. Silly goose. Like, <laughs> why don't you just let you, why don't you just let yourself have sex? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But that part where, like, where you recognize that, oh, like, I mean, as funny as it sounds, it's just like, it's not a, about sex, if you will. Mm. Um, like when you see that kind of love. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, it's still very much inclusive of it. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like so many people just like, your marriage can't be about, or your relationship can't be about the sex or whatever. I'm like, it can't just be about those things. Yeah. You know, if, you know, depending on how your sexuality works out. But the but the joyful thing about it, when you start, like, when at least, when you f start to find it, like, when you do, like, because I'm early 30s and starting to get over all of, like, the body shit. Yeah. Um. There's a deeper expansion of, and a deeper understanding of like the love of this, and at least for me, the entire universe. Yeah. Like how I'm experiencing a deeper level of love through this other person. Like mm. that would have never happened if I had stuck to like the heterosexual gender norms I was handed. Yeah. The faith and I was handed. Absolutely. And those, the gender norms and the faith that are kind of compulsory in America, which are like assumed Christianity for many people and assumed heteronormativity for most people. Those come with lots of rules and restrictions and categories about how to be and how not to be. Pardon me, there's a siren going by. And um, what's neat is that if once you start to experience your own pleasure and desire, you notice it in lots of different things. Like, certain foods feel really sensuous and certain songs feel so sensuous and um, the way the light is hitting this thing, you're like, mm, I like the way that looks, you know? Like and it's it so erotic. Yeah. And it's, it's not, again, eroticism that has nothing to do with like penetration. Right. Totally. It's like, the, it's like, mm -hmm. and I was writing it like pleasure, like the, the pleasure of like having a meal that makes you melt. Like you mm -hmm. take a bite of something and you're just like, mm. Oh, yes. Or like you listen to a piece of music and it moves you to tears or you yeah. see a child being cute and you're just, oh my God, is it? I'm like. That's exactly it. I, I never experienced it before it. I came out. Yes! <laughs> okay, you ready? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. It's not always like this, but some days mm. you can have it all. Your heart broken and mended three times over by justice and music and sex. Your calling is to reach for the moment when it comes. Hold it loosely with your sacred unclenched palms and pray the one and ever only three-part prayer. Yes, welcome, thank you. Come on. <laughs> Didn't know you were also a spiritual teacher. <laughs> That's like, uh, one day, so like I have a big, my, my big dream is I want to throw a big queer summer camp for adults mm. um, and just like have just like the time of our lives doing music and poetry and games and a big dance. So you definitely have to come and read poetry and do poetry workshop and just so good. I'm there. I, yeah, because uh I think that's like what I also love about, I mean, obviously your work is brilliant. And because like, I don't know, there's just something about knowing that it was written with someone like me in mind. Mm. I think that's something that we're missing a lot of time. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, I don't, like there was a part of me, like, I'm not allowed to participate in that. Mm. But, you know, it's like the good art, high art. Right doing it it's like it's for those people it's for people yeah. who have their shit together or something and it's like nah like this is like nah poetry is for the, the faint of heart it is it truly is 
Yeah. And that's, I, I think so often in lots of different ways in my life, I am a peaceful warrior because words are weapons and they can either be used to clear the path and make way for something new, but they can also be used to wound. And so I'm thinking about, you know, the space where I'm an advocate for somebody who's giving birth in a industrial medical Mm -hmm. complex, like a hospital, how do I wield my weapon, my words in a way that creates a more peaceful, spacious, Mm-hmm. generative environment that doesn't cause restriction or restraint or combative energy between the system and the people in it, both the patients and the, the caregivers. Mm-hmm. And then the same is true with this book. I needed to say what needed to be said about heartbreak and divorce mm-hmm. and cancellation and something that felt more like a death or an eviction. But how do I do that in a way that takes responsibility for my own mm-hmm. Uh, participation in the dynamic and how do I do that in a way that's articulate but still generative and clears the way for something new and that that was really my intention with the book in keeping a Mm. lens that really got some shit done verbally and emotionally Mm. and what's felt was able to be embodied but also was done in a compassionate way that um, included my own growth my own self-analysis and my own responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the, the, what you said about responsibility just now, because it really, like there comes a point in our lives, I think where if we didn't realize it before, it's just like, Oh, what I do here is going to affect something. Mm-hmm. My choices before have always been affecting me up to this point, but it just, I didn't realize it because it was because I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the end of relationship and like especially like the divorce and whatnot is tough especially for those of us who grew up in the purity culture and the prescribed everything mm-hmm. um the poem you wrote in here is what is it essentials for leaving a marriage oh i noted that one that yeah we read that could, one together yeah pull the, pull that one up if you okay. wouldn't mind because i, I was mind. i was as i was i was like let's talk leaving marriage let's yeah. talk because like i we both know a lot of humans who have, you know, done all the right things. You know, mm-hmm. they've played heterosexuality and capitalism's game, mm-hmm. did all the things that were supposed to make them happy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, played the game, won the game, hated the prize. Mm-hmm. Or the prize just was not satisfying enough. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I was, so let's, let's, uh, let's dive into this. Yeah, this is, great. So I'll read the poem, maybe for context. Um, it's important to know that I was married to a man for many years and had children within that relationship. And then mm-hmm. I described that I jackpined that relationship. And that uh, analogy, jackpining, is that here. Yeah, I've where never heard that word. <laughs> I live in um, Minnesota, which is um, Dakota and Anishinaabe territory. Mm-hmm. And in. In Minnesota, uh, there's a type of pine tree called the jack pine. And what it does is it grows really big and really tall and it drops pine cones, but the pine cones never turn into other trees until they actually are ignited by a forest fire. The forest fire is what creates the seedlings of the next round to grow. And so I did my first marriage, uh, which was to a man and was just kind of that compulsive um, compulsory heteronormativity. Um, I jackpined that life. I said, this ain't for me. I, I'm out. Um, mm-hmm. And I had to burn everything in order for the new thing to grow. And yeah. then with that new tender thing, that was my authenticity and my queerness and my liberalism and my full voice. Um, I gave that to a woman. And mm-hmm. I very quickly got married and merged my family with that person. And then she was the one that did the jackpining. And so I've mm. been on both sides of the coin when it comes to divorce. Come on, Jody Mitchell. I'll look at glass from both <laughs> sides now, bitch. Now. Uh, <laughs> <woo>. <laughs> it's right. So I've left two marriages. One I did the leaving and one I was asked to leave. And so this is a poem about that. 
Mm. Essentials for leaving a marriage. A kettle for coffee or tea or any kind of witch's brew. It's a traveling cauldron. Mm-hmm. Cotton everything because you'll need to breathe on all levels. Yes. Thigh rescue lotion. Lord knows there's already enough friction. Mm. Shout out to my fat body. Hey. Tax documents. Finances are about to get as thick as those thighs. My, my. Any of the following books. Read them or clutch them. Untamed by Glennon Doyle. When Things Fall Apart by Pema Children. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And a vibrator for when feeling returns. Mm. <sighs> Pema Children also. Yeah. Like, my favorite thing she said from that book is like, you need to begin with hopelessness. Mm. Like, begin in this of where exactly where you are. Just like, things might not get better. That's right. What What then? That's right. <laughs> That's right. She went there. And I just, I would love to say a little bit more about that because Please. Um, the, the book is formed in what I like to call a heroine's journey. We're familiar with the hero's journey, which is kind of like the Home Alone story arc. You know, yes, which I just like, watched the other day. <laughs> of course you did. You know, it is the time of year. Tis the season. Uh-huh. Where there's like life and it's just happening. And then there's a pivot point and a challenge that brings you to a peak. And then everything kind of, you know, the intensity falls away and you're left with a prize at the end. Um, in my mind, the heroine's journey begins at the point of despair, at the Pemetrodron point, at the helplessness. Mm, at, at death. At the death of the identity Oof. of what you've known, um, of your heart and your spirit. And so the book itself starts at that place. Um, and the way it's written is either in each page to be its own individual thought or poem, or you can read it from cover to cover and then you go on a story arc, but it's not up and over like the hero's journey. It's mm-hmm. down first and then up the other side. Down and through. <laughs> down and through. That's the only way. Yeah. Yeah. That, like that really is, I think we were taught, uh, it was like, you got to seek out, uh, it's like the joy of the Lord looks like you're always happy all the time. You've got all the things, you're doing everything right, and you're sticking to the script and not deviating from anything. And really, I think, what the, the, the way of Christ is such a feminine way. Like, and this is me, like, being my mystical self. Yeah, is, I want that. Is that, at least for me, like, every time I think about the the... The let me not go into Jesus talk right now. Let me just stick to your shit because I will go into philosophy. the The idea of being able to let the what seems to be like the failure be the starting point, mm. like where the things fall apart be the beginning, and not like yeah. everything was going well and then it's just like right. oftentimes like it. Sometimes it doesn't matter what was happening up to that point. Mm. It's mm-hmm. like sometimes you're just gonna have to deal what's right in front of you, like. Yeah. You're in the underworld. Mm. Here you go. Mm. And I think to live your life with acceptance of the nature of that is a prominently queer lens. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. To begin with that, like, I don't know, it's like realizing, especially like for newly queer folks, um, uh, my partner, um, present boyfriend who lives with me, uh, I'm his first ever anything like he's never because I, I, of purity culture and all those things didn't realize he could be attracted to someone who was not um, strictly owning a vagina mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is like a little bit of like grief of like having to realize oh the world is going to treat me different now mm-hmm. you know whether mm-hmm. or not I like it mm-hmm. there is a I am different yeah and that can either be incredibly scary or incredibly liberating because yeah. it's like, yeah, you are different. And that's mm. the best thing for the best thing for all of us, really. And acceptance of that kind of comes back to that accessing pleasure and accessing desire. Ooh. Yeah. 
Can you pull on that string a little bit more? Sure. When you say, like, what does accessing pleasure do to move you closer? Yeah. So I think the acceptance of grief and groundlessness and despair, however we define it, because of cultural circumstances or life circumstances, you know, self-inflicted circumstances, whatever they are, it's about the acceptance of the hardship as Mm -hmm. a lesson that moves us towards joy and desire and pleasure because it is all a great spiral that's moving, you know, back and around and up again. Could you hear that Mm -hmm. big ding? I'm sorry. Uh, I I heard a notification. Um, I'll just kind of start that over again. It's all about this great spiral that's kind of bringing us back to hardships and lessons. And it might feel like a step back, but really we're just revisiting some of the things we need to look at over and over again as we move our way up, essentially. Mm -hmm. You and me have been in the same room all day, apparently, because I was talking (laughs) about somebody about that same concept. It's like, well, why do I keep getting tripped up on the same things? Why do I, it's like, why is like, why am I still not over X, Y, Z thing? Why am I not immune to whatever? It's like, Mm. because it hurts. That's right. The end. Yeah, absolutely. Because it hurts. Can I read you a a poem about that? Yes. I was also about to ask, there's another one I'm going to make a request if you, once, if we don't get there. But you might, I wonder wonder if it's the one I had. (laughs) If you made a request of my poems, that would be a dream come true for me, Kevin. Thank you. May I use this pain to propel me towards my purpose. May I allow this grief to burden me so heavily, I sink down, down, down to the deepest dark where the pearl is waiting. (laughs) That's the thing, too, is that, oh, sorry. That's what we don't realize is like. I mean, and this is like the cycle. I think so many, so many folks who are on their deconstruction journey or on their faith journey of like pulling things apart or even like their coming out journey is we believe we finally get past this one hard thing. Mm. You know, if I just get divorced, if I just come out, if I just like, it's then mm. rainbows, sunshine, it's going to line up. It's going to be mm. perfect. The mm. spiritual journey is going to awaken me to my like true, authentic, loving self. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 and yes. Yeah, right. And also, yeah. Hurts like hell to realize how bamboozled you were for so long. Mm-hmm. And it hurts to realize they never taught you how to deal with your own suffering. Yeah. And so you think that, that a very natural process of becoming is your fault or mm-hmm. is a bad thing and you buck against it mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than being like, all right, it's happening yeah. and I accept it. And not meaning I like it, not meaning I'm happy about it. Mm. I just refuse to look away. That's right. I refused. I refused. It's like, uh, and this is the poem I wanted to, to pull mm. out. Was It's on page 62. Um, uh, where, where is it? Come back. I refuse to have a fenced off heart. Because mm. that's so much of our heart. Like for so long, <clears throat> we've been like hiding who we are under all of these layers of what we think are protection to protect the rest of the world from what we think is something evil and toxic. When in reality, if we do not open up our heart and start removing those things, we're never going to be able to move yeah. out of those places. That's precisely right. It's so interesting to think that how we handle our grief opens the gate to how we get to handle our pleasure. And then how we handle our sorrow opens the gate to how we get to handle our desire. And that Come these on now. things are in reciprocal relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all didn't know. Y'all didn't know that today we were going into <laughs> layers. And that's the, that is the inspiration for the title of the book, Both and All. And All. It's both suffering and ecstasy. All of it. It's both mm-hmm. grief and desire all of it they are yeah just one note two octaves shut up (laughs) shut up you poetess (laughs) but don't ever stop talking that's good that's so sweet thanks kevin cool yeah um 
So I know that we're, we're coming up on time in a little right. bit. And I always like to end the little conversations just with, A, I want you to select one more poetry, okay. poem mm. that mm-hmm. you love. Yeah. Um, and then I've got five rapid questions for you. Oh, that, that is real, so fun. Okay, it's that's real so easy. fun. Um, I love the poem that you suggested, which is the Barb Heart one. I would suggest folks read that if they want to read the book. But mm-hmm. the poem I really want to end on is um, the purpose of the journey was to come home to myself. And so yeah. I'm going to read that as the final poem. And then I would love to answer your rapid fire question. <laughs> okay. On the mornings I shower and it's just me and whatever song my subconscious has sent me, just me and the relationship dynamic I'm thoughtfully trying to make sense of. Just me and the luminous soap bubbles playing across my breath in the 7-Eleven light. Just me and my sweetly scented hair and neck. On those mornings, I am the woman of my dreams. Hands up. Hands in the air. <laughs> You want to undo all of toxic monogamy in one sentence? It's, <laughs> I am the woman of my dreams. Right. Right. <sighs> Listen, dang. You're just so good with words. You're such a, like, what a treat. Thanks, I love Kevin. getting to read your book, and I'm really thankful that other people get to experience it as well. Mm. Um, we'll talk about how people can support it in just a second. Great. So first... Uh, f- just this, I call it just one thing, um, just because it's like there's just one thing per finger, and it's very Got simple. It. So it's like, okay. uh, Sarah Anna, what's one thing you like about yourself? Uh, I like my eyes. They're from my dad. They're green and they're, they're bright. nice. Thank they're you. nice eyes. And sparkly. What's one thing that you're super proud of? I am so proud that I made this book a reality. I always knew she was on the way. And I believed myself and I believed that creative tap on the shoulder and here she is. Yes. What's one thing that pisses you off or is a pet peeve? <laughs> um, uh, toxic Republican culture pisses me off. It just Listen, does. I just want to say shout out to Atlanta and the surrounding counties in Georgia mm. for getting Raphael Warnock elected again. I still can't believe less than 3%. Less than 3%. I'm happy. <gasps> oh, Anyways, different you. podcast for a different time. Right. But also thank you uh, so deeply. Thank you so deeply Thanks, y'all. For that. Thanks, Stacey Abrams. Thanks, all the organizers. Mm. Thanks, voters. Anyways, what's one thing you're super committed to? I'm super committed to the mental health well-being of my children and myself. I will yes. move mountains. I will snatch people out of uh, math lessons. I will cancel plans if it means that my kids and I get to prioritize our mental health. Yes. Mm -hmm. What is one thing you want to do before you die? Mm. I want to travel more expansively. I want to see the world and I want to see, you know, countries and spaces and places that uh, have not been traditionally uh, visited by people in my family and in my area. Yeah. Yeah. I also have a dream. I'm just like, we got to get a bunch of queers and go abroad. We would have so much fun. We do. I'm here for all of it. Yeah. Where can people find your book called Both and All? And how can they support you and follow your work on socials, etc.? Tried to make it easy on everybody. So everything is under my name. SarahAnna.com will take you to my website, which will take you to my pre-order and ordering page. Um, mm-hmm. You can find me on Instagram, SarahAnna.com. And on TikTok, Sarah Anna. Yep. We're going to have so much fun. When is, uh, when's the book dropping? Yeah. So we go to press next week. The intention (gasps) is that it can be in people's hands by the end of 2022. And, uh, yeah, that's when to expect it. And then from there you can order it online and I, me, myself and I will just package that sweet little puppy up and send it wherever it needs to be sent. Heck yeah. If you yeah. need sapphic poetry, and you do, <laughs> you do, y'all. If, if you are, okay, 
if you're any kind of if you love poetry yeah. if you're a queer person yeah if you are a woman who loves other women yeah um if you enjoy talent if you mm -hmm. enjoy great um punchy words that like it's super like it's not one of those things where it's just like what the fuck is she talking about it's just like <laughs> no i get this 100 <laughs> percent. great um yeah sarah anna thank you so much this was a treat this was a dream i can't wait to cheer you on more I also can't wait for us to go to camp, have a camp together. It's gonna be I'm great. ready for it. <laughs> Kevin Garcia, you are also a treat. And that was my conversation with my friend, Sarah Anna. Girl, thank you so much for being on the show. Y'all need to go follow her work and pick up her book called Both and All, available on the internet. I will link it in the show notes. Um, and if you want to follow Sarah Anna, her work's at sarahanna.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-A-U-N-A dot com. As well as Sarah underscore Anna on Instagram. Sarah Anna, thank you for coming on the show. I love being in lesbians with you. <laughs> Y'all, what a, what a time. What a time. And as per usual, I got to give a big shout out to my friends on Patreon who support this work on a monthly basis. And if you want to help make this podcast more possible, if you think stories like this are important or, you know, more deconstruction stories need to be made public, then please take your cash, little $7 a month over at patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia and give a little coin to help give back. Because seriously, if this work has helped you, it would really be helpful to me to be able to pay my bills and not worry where the next thing comes from, you know? Um, so yeah, I would love for you to partner with me in this if it's feeling good to you. So check it out at patreon.com slash thekevingarcia. Remember, summer school launches May 13th and you can join for as little as 75 bucks, baby. If you want to do coaching work with me at any point and you like now's the time because I want this to be accessible to everyone. So go to thecupandgarcia.com slash summer school. Join up. I'll see you there. And until next time, oh, yeah, follow me across social media. Please rate this show and review it. Send it to a friend. That's how we get this in front of more people, get this in more ears, because this shit's life-changing. Not going to lie. So till next time, take your meds, call your person, shake your ass a little bit, tell yourself that you love yourself. And yeah, till next time, everyone. I'll see you then. Bye.